Welcome, everybody. Welcome. This is Sharon Smith, and this is Real Poetry on the Go. <laughs> I am here once again with my two co-hosts, Auntie Vice and Marvin. Say what Ooh. up, bro. What up? What up? <laughs> <laughs> oh, y'all kill me. <laughs> and tonight... We were going to have a few guests, but a few guests were like, oh, heck no. And I see why. This movie is disturbing. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'm going to ever be okay after watching this. <laughs> oh, you, you you think this is bad? You should see us trying to put it on free TV on Tubi. It was <laughs> three, hours. three hours of pain. <laughs> I was like, are we serious about this movie? Are we really going to see this? Yes, we are. Okay. Well. See, I wish you guys told me more. No, I think we just, it was also because like we weren't sure when we were going to review this. Because when I thought we were going to review it, I wound up just like saying, fuck it, I'll rent it. And I rented it off of Amazon Prime for like two bucks. Wait, two, yeah. Well, I thought it was three bucks. It was two bucks or three bucks? It was, uh, it was, it was somewhere around that range. I mean, it wasn't yeah. that bad. So I was like, yeah. I'm fuck it. Might as well. This had good reviews, apparently. I'm willing to take that bet. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So today we're going to be re- reviewing the movie. The 2010 international film, Poetry. Yes, Poetry, or uh, I think it's um, Haju. 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 In Hangul, it's Haju. Yeah. Okay. I have to think about what what the um, the signing was. Good grief. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) What? Been a minute. It's been... You ain't saying half the words. It's been a minute. This, this movie here, the plot line of this movie is a Korean grandmother named Mia. Mija. What's it? Mia? They call it Mia. Mija? Mija? Yeah, yeah. Mija. <laughs> We're all from California. We're like, it's Mija. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. <laughs> basically, she's coming, basically, she's coming to terms to an early onset of Alzheimer's. While dealing with the fallout of a brutal family crime, her grandson is linked to a violent death of a girl that and she finds herself out caught up in the conspiracy of paying the hush money to the dead girl's family. Me a tendency to become a loss in poetry and wonders of nature causes her mind to wander at the wrong time with unfor- unfortunate consequences. This movie was released in February 11, 2011. It's, the director is Lee Chang-dong. The budget of this movie was 1.3, basically 1.3 billion won, but it's actually 1 billion, 1 million, um, 115,000 US dollars. So, yeah. It's like that. So, if anybody has any commentary, please. Marvin? Oh, man. What's the word for you love and hate this movie simultaneously? Because it's that. I don't hate it. It's just, oh, my. Huh? Family. Yeah. Love and hate simultaneously. Oh, my God. This movie was just, it was so good. But, oh, my God, it was so depressing. I loved it, but then at the same time, all I just wanted to do was just 
reached over across the screen and just hugged the grandmother. Oh my god, this was just so fucking depressing. You feel, you feel close to this grandma? <laughs> yes, because that was a like that she reminded me of like my actual grandmother before she passed. Oh my god, it was so bad. Like she like a combination of my mom and my grandmother. That's what I saw. And then fuck that grandson. Fuck that grandson. Because at the same time, I'm looking at him and you're just going, Jesus Christ, that's me when I was like in my early 20s. I was such an asshole then too. And the worst part was he shoulder checked the grandmother. What oh, a little dipshit. Oh my God. That made me like react so bad and got me so heated. But no, this movie was great. It had wonderful pacing and all throughout the film, like, and I generally get really mad at characters who don't display a sense of agency, but it makes sense for the grandmother because she's going through Alzheimer's. She goes, she clearly has a very conservative old school personality and way of behavior. So the reason why she behaves the way she does makes a lot of sense for me. So I, I'm, and that what makes me empathize more with her and rather than normally what I do with just hate on a character who doesn't have their own agency because she does what she can to solve the issue. But because of the essentially her Alzheimer deteriorating her ability to do a lot of things competently, she's not able to take agency or take control of certain situations. And I just felt so bad. It was such a great movie. Ugh. I'll never be okay. <laughs> oh, Marvin. No, I need to give you a hug. No, it was, um, I'm with you on a lot of that, right? It's, it's a very interesting film and, and approach. And I mean, the biggest question for me is when they have the grandmother start this class on learning how to write poetry when she's 66, um, the teacher says that poetry is beauty. Right, it's seeing beauty and describing beauty. So my first question then is, what is it about this story that made the writer say this is beauty? Because they've called the story poetry. Right? What is it about, you know, all of these horrible things happening that they see that this is beauty, and it really fights the definition that they give poetry through the professor, mm-hmm. um, which was interesting. Um, you know, it's it's very typical, even today, where it's much more, they're much more concerned about saving the boy's reputations and future than taking care of mm-hmm. the girl who's been raped and killed herself. It's like, she's kind of an afterthought. And if we can come up with, you know, the equivalent of about $50,000, maybe we can pay them all off. Um, yep. I looked it, it up too. It was, <laughs> yeah. Bad. Yeah. And it's just and like. It trip me out too when like the. But the I mean, we see that all- old man that she assists, yeah, like gave her like a, a ten thousand one or something. I was like, right. oh man, that's pretty generous. And then I looked it up. I was like, no, it's not. He gave her five dollars. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, the whole idea that what's more important than addressing what they've done, um, you know, and and how this has devastated this girl and her family and the people who are around her. Mm-hmm. And you see that at the funeral and stuff. Is that um. It's just about protecting the boys' futures, right? Which is why it's, at the end, it's so interesting when the grandma sells out her son and like tells people what has happened, right? And she arranges for him to be taken off 
by guys from her class and have his mom come back to deal with this that you know it's kind of her last act before presumably she jumps off the bridge like they they don't show it but the way they film it the way they set it up that's kind of where you see this yeah. going um, it's pretty ambiguous but no the, i agree with you it's well it definitely does challenge that definition of be- of old behavioral standards old right. reputation patriarchal standards of upholding a very specific reputation and it it's not that, that old emotion. like that's what they do with kids to, like this guy who raped the girl at stanford it was all they didn't want to put him that's in prison true. because it was about preserving his future and not addressing what he's done or how it goes into this culture like we're still do- it's, it's not that old school it's still school <laughs> yeah no yeah yeah. Deep rooted, deep rooted is probably it's the better word for it. You're right, and you're right, you're right. Yeah. Which, by the way, I would also like to add, Brock, Brock, fucking works a stupid warehouse job for barely minimum wage, and it makes me so happy he's underachieving yeah. now. Yeah, well, you know, it's- deserves a longer prison sentence for sure. But whatever, I'll take this. I'll take a life of menial labor bullshit. Yeah, it, it goes back to the line when the the last. Um, lawsuit against considering affirmative action when letting kids into school um and i i gotta say it is it is the supreme court dragging the shit out of the plaintiff because they called her an aggressively average white woman which is the best supreme court drag because you're just aggressively average (laughs) not just average you're aggressive at getting to average uh (laughs) but the other thing i gotta say about this film is it was so well shot and staged. Like I'm looking at that kitchen where they filmed so many of the scenes at the grandma's kitchen. I could smell the kitchens of my friends in junior high and high school who I'd go over, you know, and their folks had immigrated over in the last 10 years or so. And like, I'm looking, I can smell that kitchen. I can like the furniture, like it's so yeah. identical, like so visceral. The, the director did such a good job in just setting up all the background pieces. Like, and you're right. Like I looked at that apartment and it's just like, man, I have a feeling if this were like real life and I was like that kid's age and I went in there, Oh, that grandma would make me all sorts of shit to eat and everything and be the most welcoming person ever. Oh yeah. It was- you can smell the rice. Like you watch that scene and you smell the rice. <laughs> oh, black. Uh, but yeah. It's it's definitely it's, def, it's definitely a a movie that has a lot of um stuff to. All right, you're back. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, it's definitely a movie that has a lot of stuff that we have that's been that we grapple. Uh, my commentary. I looked at the movie. It was painful, but it had tears. It had underlying tears. One grandma has Alzheimer's, so she's trying to figure out you know trying to figure out herself. Two, she has a, um, a grandson who's basically been considered for a crime, and he's not saying anything. I mean, he's 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 not he's not telling the grandma that he did it. He ain't trying to plead that he didn't do it. He's looking at grandma like he's insignificant. And beyond grandma learning poetry, you got these you got these five fathers trying to figure out how to basically handle this this whole situation with. They're all their sons added to this girl's death of her doing her suicide. 
I was like, this is taking a long time for the, the police to get over. <laughs> I was like, this is taking a very long time for the police to come in. What's going on here? I was like, wow, this is. And just the fact of her wandering around and going places. It was also interesting. It was it was interesting of all the little places she went to, because I actually thought she went. Uh, I thought she actually went beyond just home. I thought she went to like the Pusan. I thought she went out to um um i thought she went i mean she went to some of the countryside areas and and it's even more funny because i know some of those areas too i was like i know that area i know that area because <laughs> I, like, I used to live in korea for two years so i was like oh yeah i can, I can see that yeah it was fun <laughs> so it was fun um one thing that, okay so let's 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 start let's start rehashing this movie okay so the first thing was when she when first they find before they first find the body when they find the body after they find the body the kids the five kids find the body drifting into the river. Uh, we find we find me Mia going to the doctor and trying to explain that she's having a tingling sensation, but is also having issues trying to remember stuff. Which in the the doctor itself, it must be it must be a gender thing. Because he was kind of just kind of con- not Dismissive. condemning her, but not really like so. So what? What's the problems? You what's your, what's Ellen? You know, he's like going to the motions. Like, uh huh. You're you're having. He's like, you, are you sure you're not having? Any? It's like you know that that energy that goes. She said that energy up in the air. It's like electricity. It's like yeah, yeah, electricity. There it is. Oh, that's right, electricity. It's like I'm going to send you over to the big big hospital. <laughs> it's like oh okay. She's like, she wasn't, even, she was so paranoid with the fact that, wow, that was something going on. Then she's going to work. Oh, before she goes to work, we find the mother of the daughter wandering the building of the hospital. And that right there was, just, oof, that was rough. Yeah, she was like grieving really hard. She, Kind of thought it was just like like she seemed to like wasn't in her right state of mind during that moment of grief because she was asking where her daughter was and all that and her poor son now witnessed something extremely traumatic. Not only did he lose an older sister, but he's what he's literally witnessing his mother break down in the worst possible way. And like obviously throughout the film, like we see that she's somewhat recovered, but in that particular moment, that was so heartbreaking. Well, and I think that's part of what made it so realistic because mm-hmm. when you lose to someone to suicide, it's a very different type of grief mm-hmm. and it's much more overwhelming and much more su- sudden um, than you know, if somebody's from a long illness or even from like an auto accident, right? It's, mm-hmm. Those are kind of a shock. Suicide, it's, a, it's they've, in all the studies they've done on grief, it's a very different type of grief. And I think they made that really come out in the way the mother was grieving and and I don't think it was an overacting at all. I think it was probably pretty realistic that you find that out your kid mm-hmm. has thrown herself off a bridge and you go to the hospital and find out like uh God and can you just even imagine like as you as the mother just like as you're learning more and more not only was it like something she was dealing with mentally that I probably couldn't have even help at the time or even know about but something extremely traumatic happened to her. And I wasn't even aware how heartbreaking, how terrible must that been for her to learn. And unfortunately how common that story Mm -hmm. is. I mean, if you follow 
any bits in the news. There's always, you know, these acts of bullying or whatever. And you have these kids as young as nine now killing themselves. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it makes it a pretty, like the way they approached it, it makes it a very relatable story. Even though this is done foreign country, foreign language, all of that. It's a very kind of universal story. Same with losing your memory. Cause nobody wants to face not being able to recall words. Um, mm-hmm. And it is terrifying. Um, and, you know, she goes in cause she, her arms kind of tingling. Right. And he's like, yeah, no, no, no. Which is very true to every doctor I've been to. And there's like, you're a woman in pain. Fuck off. That doesn't matter. Let's, let's do what interests me. And because I don't want to solve it, let's send you somewhere else. Like this was spot on every interaction I've ever had with a male doctor. Um, so again, in the way of the directing of it, it made it very realistic. I think they also captured loneliness really well. I mean, throughout the whole film, like the grandmother, she's while she has her grandson with her, he being the bag of dicks that he is, is completely, (laughs) completely ignores her outside of specific things that he wants or needs from her, AKA feed me, me do these things for me. I'm going to have friends over whatever, like whatever little bullshit thing he needs as a teenage kid. And she's alone for the most part. Like she claims that she speaks to her daughter all the time, but it's been made very clear that she doesn't speak to her as much as she actually lets on. Sure. She's alone throughout the time. One of her fondest memories was being told that she was beautiful as a child from her yeah. older sister. Like this is clearly a woman who's just so alone. And and then on top of that, she's dealing with what her, her losing the loss of her memory. Ugh. It was definitely. That basically adds to it. But also, we when she, as we see, she goes further. She's going to work. She works as a she works as a caretaker for a disabled gentleman. Um, uh, basically, he's like I think he basically owns the shop. Yeah, yeah, yeah stroke. Yeah, yeah. It I think he owns like the, he, was that? Yeah, it seems like his family owns the shop. Yeah, his family owns the shop and stuff. And he basically he lives upstate. They, you know, they basically have their. It's funny. It's funny about places like um, Korea or even you know you, you can go down to Sacramento. They they own the shop. They own all the you know. They own not only the the shop part. They own the building or they their their um their um apartments are in the building. So mm-hmm. she's like uh, she's going to the shopkeeper who's basically the the daughter gets the key, goes upstairs and takes care of the um takes care of um her um the daughter's um. If it was a cartoon, it'd be Bob's Bodega. Same setup. Yeah, basically, <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> but, but yeah, he basically she's you know taking care of him, and basically this is, a, this is our normal day. She's just you know takes care of him. Um, he's you know they're both having chatter, and you know he's basically talking about she talks too much and this and that. He's like, oh whatever, I'm doing good. He's like, yeah, all right, whatever. And he gives her he gives her a neck, you know, gives her a tip, and then she goes off and. And goes downstairs and talks to the dumb daughter saying that, um, hey, he gave me a tip. Like, oh, wow, you know, he's always been stingy. He's never given a tip. So here's the part that kicked This is the part that got me. So she didn't leave yet. She went on the other side of the counter of the register. And the you know, other ladies came up and there she was taking in the, the storekeeper was taking care of him. She was telling the storekeeper because he thought she was still listening to her about the girl that died at the hot that the girl that died at the hospital the little girl but the storekeeper seemed like she wasn't paying no dang attention and it was just like does she feel like no one's you know does no one listen to her and it seemed like 
it, it felt like she's basically getting the sense of no one really cares what I say. I th- like now that you mentioned it, you're right. And I do recall that. I think the grandmother makes a very great substitute for the girl in the sense of something has happened and yet no one is here to listen. No one here is here to pay attention, provide concern, do anything about this. And it's just right here in your face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think it's a great observation there. Um, and I like, I like the commentary throughout is there's nothing overstated about or anything about the way we tend to treat elderly, especially as they become more disabled, right? They keep Mm -hmm. the grandfather who's had a stroke locked upstairs on the third floor. So obviously he can't get out on his own. They hire somebody else to take care of his needs during the day. And he's just kind of there on the wayside until they're ready to pay any type of attention. She is the older maid. They're only going to really talk or address her if they have a direct concern, both her son and the shopkeeper that she works Mm -hmm. for, right. Um, That you become more and more invisible as you become older and sicker, you become more invisible. Um, And I I think they do that, get that across without ever having to do dialogue around it, which is a sign of great directing in my opinion. Yeah, you're right. I didn't, honestly, I didn't think of it that way either at all, but you're right. So basically, we're looking at it from her perspective. Everything's like, why they're not paying attention? Why mm-hmm. is you know why is the why is the grandson being so arrogant? I mean, because technically, he's just he's just living there. He just he's just he's just a home now. He's just like, well, she's taking care of me. He's like, he's she's my almost like my my grandmother's my maid or something. He's like, uh, she's taking care of me, and it's like okay. And he's being a butthole. I mean, he comes home, she comes home, tries to wake him up. He's He's like, leave me alone. She's trying to just lay asleep and stuff. Gets up, um, wants to get food. And, you know, he's, not, he's not really caring for anything special. Um, but as we as we go on, as we pass through and stuff, we we start noticing uh, about she gets the um, finds out that one of the one of the one of the um, fathers contacts her, and you know dries up basically dries up and stuff. Well, no, no. Oh, my fault. First, she goes to check out the um, the um, poetry class. Mm-hmm. She wants to go check the poetry class. So she goes to the poetry class, gets in, cl- goes, gets in the class, talks to the teacher, and the teacher gives them the the whole idea of poetry. And and you can see in all their eyes, it's like you know, we never thought of poetry. We never thought of us as poets. Well, and I love the flyer. You too could write poetry because how many times have we seen a class advertised of like, you too could be a poet. Learn to write poetry. Come to your local cultural center and learn to write poetry. <laughs> I'm totally. the VP of such a center right next to me. Uh, <laughs> tap yeah. into the interviewity within you and learn to write it with this group of therapy that, with people who are totally not connected and may never have written it before, but come because poetry is in you. <laughs> Ouch, yeah. that kind of hurt, but okay, cool. <laughs> anyway, she yeah, she basically um finds out that the class is full, but she got a she has she got a spot, so she sat in a spot, talked to the teacher, uh, I think it was Mr. Kim. Yeah. Uh mm-hmm. and um was able to and Mr. Kim started telling about the apple. Sagwa. Love sagwa. Sagwa, love sagwa. That's apple in Korean. Uh um on um, check note uh correction. It's actually C, um, C is poetry. C is poetry. That's how you, that's how you say poetry. C. Mm. So, um, 
so yeah, they learn about Sagwa, which is Apple. And they learn, and you basically, he basically tries to tell you, like, look, you know, he gives the whole actor type feeling to like, what, what does the apple taste like? What does it look like in the shadows? What do you, you know, it's basically like, what do you look at the apple? Does it look succulent? And you can see in their eyes, they're like, I just see an apple. <laughs> Even when, when grandma comes home and um, her, her grandson, her, his gra- her grandson's friends come over and lock themselves in the room. She's cutting an apple and she's basically asked them, Hey, do you want some of this apple? And she's like, he's like, No, no, girl. And closed the door on her. And he's like, this apple's better, better eaten than looking at. Well, the romance with the apple that he starts with was very reminiscent of the scene, the opening scene of Patterson, where mm-hmm. Patterson is looking at the the box of, box matches. of matches, the Ohio blue tips. Right, and does a whole piece on it, and it, there is a whole style of poetry. What writing about what you observe, what you see, right? Yeah. I mean, that that's a huge portion of it. Um, yeah, he even says in like his first class to, to write poetry, you must see, like right. you must see, or the important thing in life is seeing, isn't it? Actually. Yeah, I, I think I've been writing too much in another version because I was looking at listening to. That's so ableist. Like, not everybody can see. What he means is observe. <laughs> You've got to change the language. But I think I've written one too many posts on making your groups accessible. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, if there, there is very much that style of poetry of writing about the beauty and the small things that you observe. Mm-hmm. But so, so we go. So I'm going to fast forward a little bit of it. So we get to the point where one of the fathers pick up the grandmother because I think she's coming out of a, she's coming out. She of came center. out of the um, cultural center. Yeah, it was the Kimball's, Kimball's father, yeah. the yeah. one who owns the karaoke store. Or yes. Place. Yeah. Was, yeah. That guy was <laughs> grimy as hell. <laughs> oh, we, we, we learned her grandson's name is Wook. 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 Yeah. Wook. So, uh, I still love that part. So what's the beautiful thing grandma loves? Food in Wook's mouth. <laughs> He's like, so he- no, that's why I was like, I was saying, like, I completely empathized with the grandmother. That was my mom and my grandma to the fullest. That is your dad in the dumpling piece. That, yes. <laughs> that was my family, essentially. And yes. oh, my God, I just wanted to hug the grandmother. <laughs> I kept thinking of Marvin eating dumplings, like dumplings in Marvin's mouth. That's love. That's the most beautiful thing. Like, I went right back to that piece you do. Yeah. <laughs> Oh God, the grandmother, the poor grandmother. <laughs> I just want to hug her. But no, she finds out she she gets he picks her up and he takes her over to the meeting with the other fathers, and then they explain to her what's going on, and tell her that your son has been part is part of this of this rape crime for this girl who killed herself yesterday, and you can see it right then and there. It hits her hard. It's like. Mm-hmm. What the heck you mean? I mean, it, you know, I I don't know. I think there's a range of people. There's a range of there's a range of ways people take information in. You know, when you see people who take the information in, they always have different ways of how the feedback's gonna come back. Mm-hmm. So there there are people that that you know are aggressive. And they strike back at you or get very defensive, and then there's those people that just go into shock. <laughs> Where she went into yeah. shock. She and, totally did. Yeah. Oh, she went to shock, but then she went into. I think, I think even her off timers kicked in or something because she went, she just wandered right back outside. <laughs> and then the guy's like talking, going, Well, you know, we're going, we need to get the 30 billion, 30 billion won. 
Well, and again, I think that speaks to Alzheimer's because you start losing your filters. And when you see bullshit, you just walk away. Like it reminds, so my great grandmother died of Alzheimer's and she had early stages, which about to the level that this woman had when I first met her. And I can remember going out and taking her out to lunch one afternoon with the family. And she's, she's like, you know, I'm going to get dinner. I'll pick it up. I'll, you know, I'll pay for it and stuff. And the check comes and she looks at it and she takes a $10 bill out of her purse and goes up to the counter and puts it on the counter and says, that's all it's worth and walks out. Grandma was a badass. <laughs> no, grandma had badass. Alzheimer's. Grandma had lost her. She's like, eh, it wasn't that good. You charge too much. Like, this is your 10. I'm leaving. And uh, <laughs> that's funny. That, right? No, no, no. Like, I mean, I'm sorry, but that's funny. That's oh, funny. Yeah. Same like, later on when she she was in a wheelchair and she she was really far gone at this point talking about telling my grandmother's story about having to to ride a bike to chase a train that her sister was on and she got hurt and my my grandmother's like mom you you can't ride a bike and my grandmother says well why didn't somebody tell me before i got on it <laughs> it was <laughs> Right. And so I get I think they got the Alzheimer's aspect because, you know, the dads are so concerned about addressing their son's futures and stuff. And clearly the grandmother identifies with the girl who killed herself a lot. Mm -hmm. And grandma was like, I'm done hearing this. I'm going to go out and write about flowers because you all are talking about some bullshit. Right. And all of that comes with just through the direction without any language. Right. So she just stands up and goes and starts drawing flowers. But, you know, she's like fed up with them trying to figure out how to buy off these parents to save their sons and, you know, not talk to anybody about it. This was more Patterson with a crime. I ain't gonna lie. It felt like that. It felt like Patterson with a crime. I mean, she wasn't yeah, you know, she was totally on the bus. Was. She took a lot of bus rides. She basically wrote in her little book about little things of, of um, poetry, little two liners and goes home. I mean, beyond having, you know, uh, an animated wife who basically wants to put all the, you know, wants to make everything out of the world. And you're just trying to just be like, OK, whatever. This was this is Patter. This is Patterson with a crime. Oh, no, it's the depressing Korean version of Patterson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, it was. It's Patterson a very had a shitty kid. This would have been yeah, yeah. Korean Patterson yeah. was the shitty kid. Yeah, this was depressing Korean Patterson where Patterson doesn't have the ideal wife. He has a, a shithead grandson yep. and he's losing his mind and he's walking through everything clearly wish, reminiscing about the old days when they were still lively. <laughs> well, and I mean, it's one of the things that I found absolutely amazing and beautiful about this film is how relatable it is like in american mm -hmm. cinema korea is it's either the korean war that gets depicted or it's like mash where they can't even cast a korean in the entire cast you know mm -hmm. um and it's this it's a country that most americans have no concept about right it's they, they uh, don't really understand i think they're starting to get a concept of they're starting I to think the, food, the food's coming in and if you've served there it's right? not even the food it's 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 the k-pop movement and the k-pop is bringing it over but this this was a decade before that and this feels well, like no k-pop was still getting pretty big oh, it was, was it? actually getting traction yeah like a band or groups like big bang to any one were kind of going in but america was kind of in the j-rock i'm sorry i it just 
Uh, well, no, they were already coming. Like I was already aware that they were like, it was still in its infancy, gotcha. but I think the U S was still kind of in the J rock and visual K movement. Right. More than anything else, but more of how it's portrayed. People don't, and Americans are really bad about conceptualizing other countries. as just like here in a lot of ways, right? There's some significant different, but there's like, indoor plumbing and running water and not everybody lives in huts and you know not everybody's yeah. a, you know this romanticized poor fisherman or whatever right we have these kind of jacked up stereotypes about other countries uh yeah like india if you, not everybody lives in a, a hut right um so i think the great thing about this is that you're watching it and you're like this is totally like you can see this happening outside of omaha or outside of your own city like it's incredibly relatable it doesn't feel like a foreign experience right it's not this romanticized foreign ideal that comes through it's just this is real life and there's some real depth to it and the characters are really developed and it's not something you necessarily see in some foreign films they'll feel much harder to grasp or to connect with and this one is so you're watching and like oh yeah i can totally see all of this happening like i totally get this and I, it, like it, it was hasn't amazing to me yet. that it was that relatable. Was, was that? Mm-hmm. It's not like situations like this have already haven't happened already. Like you're right, and you're right. This is a very poignant film. It captures a lot of things that already happens, and that's what makes it such an amazing and terrifying thing to watch. Because, like as we just said, like when all the fathers meet up, rather than discussing admonishing their sons or what kind of punitive action they may get and how they'll support their sons they're they look at it very differently we're going to support them by trying to skirt the system and push everything under the rug the police are not going to hear about this because the school doesn't want to lose its reputation and we're going to try to buy off the family Mm -hmm. how typical is that exactly that this made me just think of that they had they have enough money or enough resources to get or to get the money to do what they need to do. This this almost felt like uh, I hate to say um, uh, it, it felt like this crime wasn't a crime. It was just an inconvenience to them. Yeah. Oh and yeah, totally. You could if this was in the U.S., I would have. I would have been surprised if they didn't say boys will be boys. I honestly would have been surprised <laughs> if this was an American film instead, I would have been surprised and disappointed if that didn't happen. Yeah. That's good. I mean, I, I mean, I was more surprised even with the fact that the grandma didn't, didn't even bring it up the whole time through the movie. She, she would try little things like when she went to, when, like when she went to the, the girl's funeral, she took the picture from the from from the funeral and left it on his on on the um the dining table and let her son see it and let her grandson see it but he just kept on just looked at it he looked at it gave a moment looked at her and then just went right on to eating like he was like it was well, I mean just, hmm? I mean this is a kid who clearly got everything he wanted and was a spoiled little dipshit I mean even in the beginning of the movie he got a sense of that of how much of an entitled little shit he was he was telling his grandmother this phone is not good anymore i need a new one he just right. bought that he just got that last year yeah and yeah. that gives you a very clear sign of how spoiled and entitled he is how much he got got and how very little he cared about anything on how much he thought 
how little he thought of consequences. Well, 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 but well, well, even but even the thought of the consequences with the men on grandma, because they're basically when she let when she went outside just to look at the flowers and stuff, they're already characterizing her as she doesn't have no she probably doesn't have no money. Her 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 daughter is over in freaking Pusan. She's divorced. Um, she's probably living off Social Security. I mean, we don't know how the heck she's gonna get the the five million, the five um a million won. It's like so. What we're gonna do? Just got just got to figure it out. And that and really honestly, through most of the whole movie, that's the what they were pushing for. Beyond beyond the fact of sending her over to see the lady, the 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 um the mother, they were just pushing and saying, when you able to get the money. Well, and there's such a class commentary in this, right? Because mm-hmm. you have the the five fathers who all or at least middle class, right? You get the sense that they're pretty solidly middle class. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a little cash lying around. Um, then you have the grandmother who they say is living on social security and her income is a part-time maid. And they clearly look down upon that as, you know, she's a little poor and all that. And then you have the parents of the girls who are farmers, yeah. right? There's very clear class distinctions. And it they set up a narrative that's very clear that if you have money, then a crime doesn't really have to be a crime if you can just buy it off, which mm-hmm. again is such a universal thing. I mean, you can't go anywhere in the world where if you have money, you can buy your way out of a crime. That's how we work. Right. And they, they make that very clear and that not being able to buy yourself out of a crime is a reason to look down upon you. Um, and again, it's one of those things that makes this film something that people will resonate with. I mean, I mean, I did feel a little okay. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna start jumping around and stuff. Okay, so there was one part that I did not see fully because we had a we had a few technical difficulties with Tubi. So when did she when did she um, quit going to the be the maid at the guys at the character storekeeper's house? Did something happen? Did he like try to advance it on her or something, or what happened? I don't want to. I wouldn't call it. Okay, yeah, she kind of quit the first time around. So what happened was he tried to make advances to her, mm. and what happened was he took some vi- or he asked her to give him some pills that he had on his nightstand, or not nightstand, but like on his bureau. And she wasn't aware what it was because it wasn't the normal medication that she normally gives him. But he tells her to give it to him anyways because he says it's vitamins. He oh, takes it. pills. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So during like their little sponge bath, obviously when you take Viagra, the boing, and he tries to sexually assault her and like says, I want to have sex before I die. And she flat out quits. She flat out quits. But then as we all know, during this movie, she returns and for whatever reason, she has sex with him and then again returns later on and essentially fucking blackmails him, which <laughs> go grandma, just just go grandma. So Sharon was dying at this point because there's the point and she starts to give him a hand job in the tub when she's mm-hmm. giving him a bath and Sharon's like, oh, 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 <laughs> like as he's getting what's going on. I put myself through undergrad by working in in in-home healthcare. 
And I had more than one client who during bath time, helping the masturbator masturbating them was just part of the job. Like, that's what I got. Like, that, again, was very identifiable to me because I've done that more than once. And I didn't get a tip. <laughs> and it was the scene when they, like, she actually agreed to have sex with him. And they, like, they showed everything. And it wasn't, like, some hot, steamy thing. It was just two elderly people. And there was something... There was something about that scene that I just can't put my finger on. But it was just... It stuck out to me. It really did. Because that was a very long scene in itself. But well, there was something was that I just thought was powerful. Yeah, it was human. It was, And there was some, something incredibly powerful about that mm. moment, in my opinion. Yeah. And it's also a reason that I no longer shoot home porn. I'm afraid I'd look. <laughs> people would look at it and go, well, that's really human. <laughs> Brave of you. Well, no. And I think I finally found what I was trying to say about that. Korea has this really high standard of beauty. Mm -hmm. And it's just like ever since K-pop became a thing, Korea has this really high standard of beauty for for their entertainment industry. And to have them show a scene, in my eyes at least, of two elderly people, one with stroke, one with Alzheimer's, and all the, the beauty and flaws that they have, I thought that spoke like was a very powerful moment that spoke to a lot of things. That's true. It did. I mean, I, I see he enjoyed it. He was even more like, <laughs> yeah, homie enjoyed it. Homie, 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 enjoyed homie it. got his rocks off to that. <laughs> he was happy. He's like, this literally, is right. <laughs> this is right. <laughs> Apparently, it was enough to pay her debt. So, well, <laughs> that was a very expensive lay. <laughs> Uh, he would have went along with it. Uh, hey, he was about to get blackmailed in front of his family. I mean, I don't think he went along with it willingly. <laughs> she came to a family party. Like he had his grandchildren there, and she's like, "I need to talk to you." That was that. That was cold blooded. That was cold blooded. I respect the move, though. I respect it. But was it? I mean, she she tried other ways to get around. That was like a last resort. I ain't gonna lie. That was a last resort. Everything else, I think, and she, it was. I think she would have. I don't think. I don't think that was one of her intentions. It was not her intention to go over there and blackmail, um, basically blackmail him for sex. I think she was gonna basically give him what he wanted before she. I think she was gonna stop doing, you know, stop working for him, and then just give him what he wanted. So at least he'll go out, you know. I I fulfilled your service to you. I feel like it was also some loneliness on her part too. Yes. I mean, kind of like I said back then, like it's just who did she have? Essentially, who did she have outside of a bag of dicks grandson, <laughs> five five middle-aged men harassing her to get with the program and pay her part of hush money, her obvious guilt, and like everything that's already going on with her in that movie. A little human warmth and comfort goes a long way. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, one thing I noticed: she almost had like her own little investigation. She went to all the spots where the where this crime happened. You know, she went to the, the she went to the school. She went to the science club and went looked into the class. She went over to the bridge where the girl jumped at. She she basically was like doing her own little her own little investigation 
of how, and I think it was more for the poem, but it was more for her to have a sense of why she did it. You know, it's like, okay, I can see, you know, all those little and spots. And I agree with that. Because you know, like all those little spots, she started going to like to the bridge and, and sat there, wrote something down, you know, went over to see the, the mom and grabbed the apricot, you know, she, um, oh, okay. So that part right there. Okay. So when she, when she was told she had to go see the, the, the dead, the dead girl's mother over at her, at the mother's place in the, in the countryside and the father drove her there, dropped her off and then let her walk, you know, wander in the area and stuff. And he, she told him, it's like, I want to take a bus. You don't need to come back. I basically, I think she wanted to know, you know, she wanted to be, don't, don't harass me no more, dude. Just go home. <laughs> Leave me alone. But when she went over there and she couldn't get it, she couldn't find them because they weren't, you know, they were out, you know, out working in the field. And she walked out, you know, had a moment, got an apricot. Now, I didn't know that was an apricot. I was looking at that. I was like, I thought it was like a peach or something. And then, and then um, um, Vice told me that it was an apricot. And then she wrote it in her, she wrote it in her book. And then she went up to her, talked to her. I thought she had an all-timer moment where she was, she was, she didn't know, she forgot what she was, she was talking to her, you know, gesturally, uh, how you doing, how's everything been? And then when she left her, you know, they're basically giggling and stuff. She left and then she's like, oh, crap, I knew what I was supposed to talk to you about. And then she didn't want to go back. I think it was both. I think it was, one, her Alzheimer's, two, this moment of her enjoying nature and human interaction where she just forgot and then when she does remember there's just i think for her there's this overburdened guilt that she feels on her shoulders and then to have to go back after what is seemingly a small pleasant conversation to have to bring a dark cloud over that mother oh yeah and i think it's again really human like Mm -hmm. oh i've made this connection it's a positive thing i can imagine how often this would be if i lost my child this way um and yeah let's not i'm not gonna push this mother to do something she doesn't want to do like Mm -hmm. like the men were pushing her to do something she didn't want to do she didn't want to take that role in this woman's life and it was it was her to say, and it's at that point, I think it's the turning point where she starts taking control of her own situation. It's like, okay, so at that point, I know how I'm going to get this money. I'm going to turn my son in. I'm going to get his mom here to deal with this, and I'm done. Like, kind of as the last bit of, okay, I'm going to, I got to start taking some control here, right? I'm not going to keep doing this. And I think it's, it's that moment where she doesn't turn back to the mom that that's where she starts taking back some of her control. Yeah. And back to what Sharon was saying about how she did her law investigations, like a whole bunch of time, her poetry classes, they've explained the whole point of poetry is also seeing beauty in the world and in nature. I think for the most part, she was exploring nature. She was taking note of that, but then subconsciously, because that guilt that, that her thought it being constantly in her head, she subconsciously went to those places and thought of Agnes, the, the child who got raped and then committed suicide. She, just went there. Just she probably got pulled to it. I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it, it was a little polarizing for her mm-hmm. somewhat. Just, just seeing everything how how it played out, and then even even trying to get her own grandson to actually admit it and apologize, and you know, waking him up. Get up. 
get up. Why did you do it? And he just like looked at her and just pulled the covers back. Like, get away from me. I don't, I don't know you. <laughs> Such a little shithead. Such a little shithead. <laughs> and that's it. I was like, I was looking at Sharon. I'm like, she needs to slap that child upside the head. Like, come on, bring on the rigs. Just clock his little shit ass. Cause he, Oh yeah. I was thinking the same thing, dude. Oh God. I hated him. And the movie did so great in making you hate him because of his fucking bullshit. Even if he didn't rape a child, like another child, he was such a little asshole. <laughs> um, and what, so one thing I also saw was the um, the the poetry recital mm-hmm. where they where they they had a little place where they congregate and had their own little poetry moments. Well, let me flip. Let me backtrack one. One part was the teacher was asking them, what's the most beautiful, what's one of the most beautiful, tell me about one of the most beautiful things that you remember, a beautiful memory. And a lot of the story, a lot of the stories of like one, one girl talked about her grandma before she died or, you know, her grandma used to sing a saunter. Another a guy talked about um, um, having his first of apartment that wasn't in a basement. That's what he thought was a good memory. And then another, another one talked about, uh, oh, child, there was, yeah, the one about childbirth, but also I was going to bring out the one about the woman who basically was married, who had another married man. They both had sex, but she can't get him off. She can't get him off her mind. And it was just like, it's just weird ways of, and then even her, um, even Mia's um, beautiful memory is when her mother was going to, was dying her big sister was basically trying to keep her calm and keep her um, by singing songs and, you know, keeping her distracted while her mother was dying. And it was just, that was one of the beautiful moments that Mia remembered. It was was very interesting on, on their, on the attempts of trying to find out what you consider as a beautiful memory. Mm -hmm. And, and in the category, you know, it's not, it's not all feather, you know, it's not all, um, babies and loved ones and stuff. Sometimes, just like that guy, he basically he was just happy enough to be in an apartment <laughs> that he could afford. <laughs> he was able to pay. He's like, I'm able to pay for an apartment out of a basement. I'm good. <laughs> um, the 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 poetry recital was a good thing. Uh, you know, little small poems here. I think what caught my attention was the the cop who was a little jokester. Tell his little jokes. Um, <laughs> Auntie Vice was liking him. You know, she liked how he was acting and stuff. But then even being called back up um, when one of the ladies um, told told him that, hey, you know, my friend here thinks, you know, you, sh- you should look at poetry and beauty instead of looking at it as a joke. And he was like, oh, I'm sorry, miss. I'm sorry, sister. Come in. Let's drink together. She's like, I don't drink. So come on, sister, we need a drink. We need to make sure we know this. He was trying to be all replicable, but you could tell it's like to him, it was like, you know, he was trying to, he was trying to do no malice, but he, but to him, it wasn't, it wasn't anything big. He was like, you know, I didn't have anything else to say. That, that, I just feel like doing jokes. So I was like, okay. But then finding out at the other part where she's outside crying and he comes out trying to, you know, take a smoke break and Caesar, and she doesn't want to talk to him, and how he's trying to, just trying to understand what's going on with her, but she ain't saying anything. So he just stands there and just, you know, takes a moment, just 
tries to sit down, stands up, sit down, smokes. So I think yeah. in that moment, even though he essentially gives up on trying to interact with her while right. she's crying, I don't think he completely gave up. I mean, he could have easily just walked elsewhere because if he felt uncomfortable, but by the simple fact of him just standing a few feet away from her, still remaining in that scene in itself was still a little way of just saying, I'm still here. Mm-hmm. He's still occupying essentially the same space as her and showing this very silent support passively. Yeah. And it speaks very highly of him as a person while he showboats in himself in this really profane way. You get these little nods to him actually being a stand-up guy, apparently, because he you find out later on that he was actually a really great detective who outed corruption in so, the soul detective department, which was pretty cool, I guess. Mm, that's true. And even at the end where he he basically is the one who brings his associate with him to go pick up the pick up the um, grandson while he goes plays with the grandma. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what's that game? What's that game Batman. called? Ba- is that Batman? Batman. That's Batman. Okay. Yeah, Batman. Yeah, yeah. It, so in the in the latter sense of it, it was um that part really had volume. Her talking to the teacher, basically still trying to explain that it's difficult trying to figure out this whole thing, you know, about doing poetry. And then even pointed, and then she even threw it back back at him going, remember, remember you said poetry is what you see and the beauty of it. And he was like, yeah. And then his friend next to him was like, you said that? Bravo! <laughs> I was wondering if he was drunk or just too shy to talk. He's like, dude, you said that? <laughs> I feel like he's like an like I felt like he was being sarcastic about it. Like he was an angsty ass, bullshit ass. I'm against the boo, which was the type of like art young artist who thinks himself way too intelligent than everybody else. Like that's what I got from that kid. See, what I got is he's sitting there with you know one of his proteges who's also a very renowned poet and stuff, and you know. He approaches this class in a very simplistic way, like you've never written poetry, you don't understand much. Let's start with some of the let's start at the very beginning, a very good place to start. And it's um, you know, you're giving kind of these cliches about poetry. And then when you've known somebody in your field who's much deeper into it, and it's like it would be like for me, having taught political science. If I found out a colleague used how you know the the schoolhouse rock, how a bill becomes a law. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, you use that, right? Because you need the updated version, which is where you just give lots of money and then the bill sits and cries on the stairs because the system is broken. <laughs> yeah. uh, but like, it, it's like finding out. It's like, oh, that's sweet. That's so simplistic, and you're still saying that. Or like, you find somebody who teaches sex ed, and they like when the first time my godson asked me what teabagging is, and I used line. <laughs> He was 11, and I used the line, well, it happens between people who have a very special connection. And in my head, I'm going, it happens with the stripper you picked up at the bar. But, you know. He's 11. He's it's okay. He's 11. If he's a gamer, he'll find out in all of the servers. 
That's what he was asking about. I did not. I was. I'm not a gamer. I did not know that's what. He, <laughs> so I'm explaining this very special thing you do with people you care about, but you probably don't have to worry about. It. And he's thinking about getting tea bagged in Mortal Kombat or whatever. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That must have been a fun conversation. (laughs) He asked me in CVS downtown on Ninth Street. There was a very long line of people who were then wondering why Auntie Vice, who he kept calling Auntie Vice, was was getting asked about teabagging by an 11-year-old holding a bag of gummy worms. This is amazing. <laughs> to which I said, we'll discuss this at a later time, hoping he'd forget. I he ended did. up explaining it over chicken nuggets and apple slices. This is amazing. <laughs> See, now the, I name. feel like I feel like the important thing is, were you truthful with him or were you? Oh, yeah. I said it's, it's when a man puts his testicles on another man's face <laughs> or another person's face or in their mouth. Some people do it for sexual pleasure, but it's probably something you're not going to have to worry about for years. Only later did I find out he had seen it in gaming, because I'm wondering, why does this 11-year-old know about teabagging? What did he walk in with Daddy and Dado doing? Like, nope, nope, that was not the issue. (laughs) But this is also a kid who, when he barged in Daddy and Dado early one morning and they hadn't put the lube away, referred to, says, what's that? Well, it's Daddy's very special elbow grease. It's for those dry elbows. So for to this day, when I see lube, I think special elbow grease. This is amazing. This is amazing. Really? Kind of. (laughs) Okay. At least I was honest. Yes, you were. Yes, you were. Honesty does last here. Okay. So let's. So we got to. So we're at the point where they basically. She basically told. Well, when she went out there and told, um, what basically not flounder, but just talked to the um, the daughter, the Agnes's mom, and forgot to talk about um, because they found out that she basically that the daughter's mom does did not want the money. She was basically telling them, "I don't want the money." Basically, she really didn't want to be paid off. She really didn't want to be paid off. She wanted them and she wanted them prosecuted. Rightfully so. But she um being uh Mia was sent out there to talk to her and she didn't, you know, she didn't do it. She lied and told them that she they weren't home. She wasn't home. And try to leave it at that. But unfortunately, lo and behold, well, before that, the reporter stops her. And tries to talk to her about the whole um the the money, the 30 million dollars they're trying to build up. And she's trying and she's trying to you know dodge the the um she's trying to dodge the reporter's um questions because he's starting to really wonder what's going on with the situation and stuff. And it's like, why how'd he find out? And it's getting it's getting weirder and weirder. So it comes up, lo and behold, the reporter brings the mom to the fathers and she walks in and is like oh crap she knows who i am 
And it's like, great. And you know, hmm? oh, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, and the, the fact that, you know, they didn't have a talk, they're, they're being, you know, it, this, this is one thing that got me. All the ladies, all the women here were letting the men handle. We're, we're not even handled. This basically just letting the men just do what they do, talking over them, and just you know they're just being very, I ain't saying submissive, but just very, just very secluded to the idea. Of like okay, let them talk what they have to say. None of them are getting, no one's getting outrageous. No one's thinking this is the dumbest thing these guys are doing. No one's talking to over them or anything. She's they're just trying. The only thing me is trying to just get out of it. But even finding out that she's part of this because you know it's her grandson, it's making it more and more. It's making it more and more difficult for her to try to figure how, try to try to get you know any kind of sense of of um, what is it would be more of a balance or more of a just a just a sense of balance here trying to figure out why did her grandson do that? Why did Agnes die? Why are these fathers doing the way they are? I mean, you you've seen her try dozens of ways to just get her mind off it. You know, she goes to um, Koshi's um, father's um, karaoke shop and just sings and, you know, tries to sing and stuff and tries, you know, does try to do poetry. It's just, it just seems to me that she's trying to not only understand, but she's also trying just to cope. Yeah. And, you know, aside from the grandmother, Agnes's mother, how tragic must it be aside from the mental break you had to go through, but then to have, because essentially she does agree to taking the hush money, but how tragic, how heartbreaking must it be for you as a parent, let alone a mother, just a parent who loved their child, who went through all of that. And you obviously want justice at first, but then you're confronted with the fact that I still have no money. And here's this opportunity to feed my other child to pay whatever necessities. They bring him Dude. up. They bring up the brother saying that, you know, your brother, you know, the little brother. Yeah. Like the brother can be doing good in school. It's like. The yeah. They literally dangle him in front of her like fucking bait. It's just fuck, man. That's just heartbreaking. So they they did you did um Auntie Vice was right they did bring in the whole classism of hey you need this more than we do oh yeah they they made mention of it several times when in that one scene when both Agnes's mother and Wook's grandmother was there and notice how neither of them said anything anything at all it was the father's talking the reporter maybe spoke once or twice just to say that he was present. But it was mainly the father's essentially strong arming this poor woman. Yeah. It's like, take this money. It's like, yeah. Uh, I think, I think she almost got in, she got put into a trap. I mean, it, it's, it, I mean, as much as the reporter bringing her there to the fathers, she basically was almost like put into a trap. It's like, we're going to now get you, we're going to force you to take this money. And yeah, they, they know a way around it, you know. I agree. It'll, I mean, maybe, I mean, no, no, it was. I mean, they, while they don't say it directly, it was clearly an, I look at it as an intimidation tactic on their part. I'm, I'm trying to end off the show. Cause I'm not. <laughs> 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 
Good grief. <laughs> this is why we do it in different rooms. <laughs> really? Really? This, this I noticed you were trying to. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Point being. Uberloo. Wow. No, but. Okay. Okay. Let's do. So that's what led to the. That's like you said. That's one of the things that led to the fact that she had to go get the money and she basically blackmailed the um the car- the storekeeper to get that money at his um little family little family um thing gathering and stuff and what well, is even more funnier the fact of she they were talking and she t- they're both talking about you know r- well writing it down trying to pass a message back and forth that the 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 um the daughter-in-law comes in and go, hey, what y'all talking about? And she said, oh, nothing. We're talking about your grant, your your father-in-law owe me money. He owes you damn, money. That was, such a, that was so cold-blooded. That was like a cold-blooded move right there. That was just went for the jugular. Goddamn, dude. Now, see, this woman's a real killer, unlike Mulan. Really? <laughs> I, you knew I couldn't let this go. You knew I couldn't. Like, ding, ding. Marvin's made a Mulan comment. Yeah, you knew I'm not going to let this Mulan thing go. We're going to just have to start t- keeping a tally like they do in dad jokes of one Mulan comment. Do Mulan comments. <laughs> you might as well. I'm just saying. If I'm going to like believe that a female lead is a straight killer i'm gonna believe it with this little old lady and not yeah. not fucking mulan in the live disney action movie she's a bitch <laughs> really this is the killer oh, uh, oh this old lady i'm sorry did you did you did you blackmail an old man into giving you essentially six thousand oh, dollars oh yeah in were... front of his daughter touche 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 as you came back, dropped the money in those guys in the, um, the other father's hands and said, oh, yeah, this is enough. This is enough. And she bounced. She was like, mm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Y'all do what you have to do. I was, see, okay. And this is, this, is, this is one of my last ideas. I was kind of concerned that they didn't have the money and they're basically robbing her. I felt a little bit like that because they're based because no one else brought the money out already and have it on the table. She was the only one that brought, you know, basically brought in cash this everywhere else it seemed like a lot of them were getting ready to like you know use credit cards or take some loan out of freaking the, the bank or something because it seemed like a lot of them were su- more surprised at the fact that she brought cash and See, my thing wasn't so much that they wouldn't have paid their share i mean it was very clear from for me from the get-go that they were more than willing to defend their precious precious boys my thing was if they are so precious to you, what makes you and you're questioning her this much? Mm-hmm. Why are you trying to push this woman into paying her fair share? You fucking assholes. Again, I'm not condoning their actions to pay money to silence a heinous crime. But at the same time, you guys are assholes to the fullest degree. Not only are you trying to cover up a crime, but you're still trying to make a little old lady help be complicit in this fuck you absolutely but, fuck you but she did bring up to um uh koji's um father when she was over at the um the karaoke bar if he can you know get her share and then she'll just work for him and he mm-hmm. was like i can't do that so already already she's already she she already knows this is gonna be a problem because he you know he wants to get he wants her to get her share but he can't help so it's like i'm not helping you 
You got to get that mm-hmm. on your own. So yeah, I can see I can see where all this went down to. Um. So yeah, so she gets she gets the money for from for for um for the lady for her share. She goes out, looks into, goes wandering about, finds her um her grandson playing video games in one of the video rooms. There, that, and that's that's actually how the video rooms look like in Korea. They're they're very cool. It's it's, it's a trippy it's a trippy area how they got video. It's like a little like little arcades, but a little you, you see the arcade it doesn't really look like an arcade, like a TV room or something like that. And basically took his butt home, clipped his nails, tried to basically try to clean them up. And she she told them straight up, it's like, yeah, your your mom's making you, your mom's coming to get you. And and waited, played badminton, had the other. I did now. I didn't know she told the cop what was going on, and he came over to you know pick him up. So it wasn't. I mean, I was a little surprised, but it you know he had to tell his case. You know, he had to tell what his part, uh, what he did, and. We didn't see him after that. I mean, even in the morning, you know, she finished her poem, dropped it off over at te- the teacher's house, teacher's um class with some flowers, and then the teacher read it on her behalf. But he, one thing he did, did he did question say, "This is the last day of the class. Did anybody write one?" And they're all like, "No." <laughs> A lot of students do that. Dog ate my homework. <laughs> it's okay. Have you seen the new here. memes? Uh, the evergreen is blocking my way to go to work. <laughs> the ever given. No, it wasn't the evergreen. The ever given is blocking the hall. So I can't get to class. Mm-hmm. I love that. Like All the memes are doing that right now. <laughs> <laughs> but he reads the poem. Oh, well, yeah, he reads the poem, but it's in uh, Agnes but, and yeah, Agne- Agnes voice. Song. It's called Agnes song. Mm-hmm. Agnes song. Song. But before that happens, her her daughter comes comes to town, looks around, doesn't see mom, and just waits waits around for her. But then we're 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 in the presumption, whilst this poem is being read, it goes through different voices, and even goes into Agnes's voices at the end, and Agnes is there, at the same spot, where the same bridge that they were getting ready, she's going to jump. I actually thought they were going to show the body. I ain't gonna lie. They had the whole running water scene for such a long time. I thought the body would have plunged right into the water. I was I was waiting for that. That was that was one thing I was waiting for. This is not an American film. We yeah. don't have to do that. Yeah, but when they showed Agnes, one thing that struck me was because I remember in the movie they were like fucking the dads, and the first time we all see them together, they asked literally, "What does she look like?" And they're like, "Oh no, she's just a plain country girl." This looks like a normal fucking teenager. This looks like a fucking normal teenage girl. Fuck you guys. It's just it was so maddening. That was like the one thing that made me so incredibly angry when I heard, like remember watching it, the scene in the ass. I was like, what the fuck does it matter? She was the teenage girl who got raped and died because of your fucking asshole kids. You ass- Jesus, it was so bad. <laughs> We also know that we have to give this movie a rating. So right now we're going to go into Snap Judgment, where we basically 
do our rating of this movie. We give three snaps. This movie gets all the goals, the all the film accolades that it should get. Two snaps. It wasn't that bad, but it wasn't that good. One snap. This movie needs to go over the same bridge that Agnes went into and drift down the river. Ouch. I know what I said. <laughs> so we're going to close our eyes and count the three and give our rating. So I'll put this down. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Closing. One, two, tres. Open. Oh my goodness. It got all threes. This got nine out of nine. Oh my goodness. A lot better than Mulan. A lot better than a certain Asian film I can think of. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. Two. Yeah, we get we got we're getting we're getting good at these. Okay. So <laughs> I'm going to pass it to Auntie Vice and ask her why she gave her three. I think this encompasses all parts of a good film. It's an incredible story. It's well shot. It doesn't beat you overhead. Like this is the opposite of for color girls who've considered suicide when the end of the rainbow is enough, where everything was so in your face and tragic and overemphasized, right? This was one of those more quiet films, more subtle, um, incredibly relatable themes. I like I the the staging and the filming were beautiful so yeah three stars and if you're an american director we don't need an english version of this please leave it in the original and don't translate it to american film because i don't think Amer there's a director out there that would do it justice in english oh you mean like subtitles no i get what she's saying like, there's no way an american director could give it the full level of love attention and respect that this movie has already done for itself this that this director has done you don't want a white director directing an asian movie like they did in mulan <laughs> bring that up marvin why did you give it three steps i mean i completely agree with my esteemed co-host this movie just did everything right in this way that Tyler Perry couldn't do it right with four oh. color girls. I'm being honest here. I know. Just, I know. I'm it, just... There were moments that were treated with such care and respect to the situation that all that was needed was a subtle glance. All that was needed was just a pointing of the camera to a very specific location. And that weighed like a fucking shit ton of bricks on your shoulders. It, it was the like just like we the animals this was a director who knew exactly what he was doing and how to tell a story with as little words as possible hmm. i actually had to turn on the closed caption because i first would know that they were actually talking they had an english subtitle part that took me a second <laughs> i had to find out i was like oh crap i thought this was gonna be in korean i thought this was gonna be in hangul the whole time i was like crap, we're <laughs> in trouble i'm about to just pick it just pick out words and stuff but i found the closed caption it came in english i was like happy as heck um <laughs> this movie actually this movie charmed me i ain't gonna lie this movie charmed me because out of everything that was going on it kept to the theme of the movie as being a poem was going to be at the end and 
it was just basically this is what they always talk about how you gotta get to the poem this is this is the part where it gets from the beginning how they get to the poem and how everything has to go into it and this is all the stuff that was necessary all the ingredients were necessary to get to the poem and that right there was excuse me was really um, breathtaking because I was surprised of the fact that I didn't notice that everything was how much how much of the greetings were needed for her to make to this poem. It's just like how people make poems for probably George Floyd, how how Brandon League made a poem for his his dead his um um forgotten fallen sister. I mean, it's a lot of stuff that's needed that you have to wrap your head around to even make words to just to condense it into something just enough for people to get an idea of where you're going with. Mm-hmm. And this was, and I, I, I pretty much as all the movies that we've seen all this time, this one actually, I, I, I took it as three because it actually got to the heart of the situation. It got as much as it's a cultural difference and you're trying to understand a cultural difference because in the back of my mind, I was looking like if a black woman, if a black mother was doing this, she would have hauled off and kicked this behind us. <laughs> I was looking at all the other ways. Like, why is she not going off on him? And I forget this is a cultural difference. It's not, they don't, they don't do that. So yeah. it was, it was just trying to, you, you basically, you're an outside looking into someone else's situation and then trying to understand how their situation is going and how they were, they're managing it. So yeah. I think with a lot of people, like they forget that American exceptionalism where we have to be quote unquote loud and brash is not a thing for a lot of countries where this deep image of respect and saving face for a lot of cultures and countries are pervasive and i'm not saying it's a good or bad thing but it just exists and this ideal of having to be like upfront about it is being the way to solve it is not always the way or not always going to be the norm so true so true but this movie did um out of all the movies that we have seen this is this movie had i was actually surprised that you saw first and then we saw last. I, I I was most giving you a moment of, well, he's not going to need to go check another movie out. We're going to do poetry. <laughs> 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 We're going to make sure that he's able to <laughs> take this movie back. But this actually was a good one. I ain't, I'm not going to lie. This was a good one. It was a long. It was a little sad, but just like y'all said, it wasn't as sad as um, Four Color Girls. It, it, it was wasn't. sad. Huh? No, cult for color girls was a very different type of sad. Yes. It was sad in the sense of I can't believe I just watched that. <laughs> and then, goddamn, how do you like? How dare you not treat this specific situation with respect? Right. Well, this one was very. It was. It was. But they did make the men all like scum. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, how have we not seen that? Be- like, and it's not like we haven't seen that before. Right. So but it, I think, but I think uh, the director put the reaction of his characters to act out pretty much how I would expect anyone to act out. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I never thought of that way. Well, we have, have you seen? We get this movie nine out of nine. I'm gonna say check out our social media. Starting off with Marvin. 
Yeah, you can find me on IG at StarvinMarvin09. Look for Uber Lube. <laughs> and I'm Auntie Vice. I'm Auntie Vice on most social media, AuntieVice.com. And you can join me on the 20, April 23rd online with the Sacramento Poetry Center for Spoken Not Slurred. Uh, yep, a tribute to Spoken World. There's a lot of people on that one. That, yep. A whole list of punk people. Oh, this is going to be good. <laughs> you can find me on Iambic Zine. That is I-A-M-B-I-C-Z-I-N-E. Don't mistake it for lotion. As you can see, this month is the fourth anniversary of Iambic. Some things going on. We got some we got some prizes and contests for people to check out and stuff. And it's also National Poetry Month. We got some more movies and stuff to check out, and we got some more people to um to interview. So keep it locked on Iambic Poetry Podcast. I am Sharon. That is Marvin. That over there is Auntie Vice, and we are out once again. Peace. Peace. <laughs>